Who's the better quarterback, Sean Clifford or Cam Rising? And who has the advantage in the game's biggest matchups? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. That's LinkedIn.com slash College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down who's a better quarterback. Cam Rising, Sean Clifford, as well as all the other fun matchups in this game and who has the edge on each side, if it is the Utes or the Nittany Lions. And in order to do that, we have a friend of the show joining us and Dante Guardi of Ute Zone. And Dante, when we're talking about this game, I think, and so many games come down to it, right? You look at the quarterback matchup. And I do think this is a game, too, where I really do believe whichever quarterback plays better in this one, their team is going to win. We've seen that not always. We've seen that not always be the case in games. A lot of times it is, but I do feel like in this one in particular, really think whoever plays better is going to have the edge. And these are two really good quarterbacks. Um, I personally, I'm going to say it right now, I think Cam Rising is slightly better. I'll give the reasons for why in a moment, but I think either of these guys is capable of having an outstanding Rose Bowl, and I'm excited to see them both go at it. Yeah, you know, both both these quarterbacks are decently experienced. You know, Cam Rising has 20-plus starts under his belt now, and we know Sean Clifford's been there for, yes. I think, six years. So he, he definitely has mastered that offense. He definitely knows the ins and outs of Penn State's roster. Um, but – I think this is. I think I think you're right. I do think this is going to be a game that comes down to which quarterback plays better because I'm expecting a fairly low scoring matchup. I think both these defenses are very good, and I think it's going to come down to one of the final possessions and which quarterback can make that game breaking play to elevate their team over the top. I'm with you. I do think Cam Rising is better than John Clifford, more talented than John Clifford, but Clifford totally is not a quarterback to just completely ride off. You know, mm-hmm. he has talent. He's been there for um, plenty Thanks. of years. They have a good. They have a good wide receiver one in Mitch Tinsley. So, I mean, this is a talented offense, and their rushing attack does a really good job of opening the passing attack up. So, if Utah's not able to stop the run, Sean Clifford can most definitely make an impact with his arm and put Penn State over the top. So, I'm with you. This is going to be a really good game. Um, It's totally going to come down to which quarterback can make more plays down the stretch to lead their team to a victory. And it's interesting they're both without their favorite target. You mentioned Mitch and what he's been able to do, but it was still Parker Washington for most of the year. He's not going to be in this one. For uh, for Utah, of course, Dalton Kincaid not going to be playing this one due to that injury still being attendance there sporting. But either way, both these guys down their top target. So it is interesting to see how they adjust. When you're talking about them, let's look at take a quick little scan at the numbers. So first talk about Cam. He's thrown for over 2,939 yards on the season. 66% is the completion percentage. 25 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Only been sacked eight times too. Then if you compare that to Sean Clifford's numbers, Clifford's at 2,543 yards, 63% per completion percentage 22 touchdowns to seven interceptions but 14 sacks which is not obviously a lot of those are going to be on the offensive line but to show you Clifford like the, likes to hold on to the ball a little bit too and I do think one of the things that gives Cam the advantage to me slightly in this game and Sean Clifford can run and make some nice plays with his legs Cam in some of the biggest moments in Utah's season has come up clutch with his legs and I think Cam is going to be 
look, we don't know if he's 100% healthy, I guess, but I think he's pretty dang close to it after this much time off. So I expect to see Cam and the quarterback running game really back inserted in this one for Utah because it's been so successful that for them anytime they need what's your best play to get short yard situations, it's been Cam running the ball, and I think he's going to do it. And you mentioned too, so why do I give Cam the slight edge? Because they have very similar numbers. It's because Cam has always come up in the biggest moments, I feel like. Yes, I could look at a game like the Oregon game where he fell short, tossed three interceptions. Do you want to know who else tossed three interceptions in a big game? Sean Clifford against Ohio State, where it was abysmal in that one too. So they've both come up short, but then I look at performances like Cam had against USC the first time around. Just one of the best performances we've ever seen from a Utah quarterback. And then an outstanding job by him in the row in the Pac-12 championship game to put Utah in a position to make the Rose Bowl. So, and we know what he did last year in the Rose Bowl too. He was going up and down the field matching CJ Stroud for most of that game till he was taken out of it with injury. So I really do feel like the, the difference between these two guys for me is I think Cam in the biggest moments is a guy I trust a little bit more because I've seen him perform and he's gotten it done in those stages and gotten Utah some huge wins and guided them to some things that Sean Clifford really hasn't. Yeah, and you look at that Ohio State game that Penn State played and their best plan offense was a throw, but it was about a five-yard throw straight to the sideline of Parker Washington who made Ohio State's defense look like a junior varsity high school team. You know, he's a very talented receiver. I think he's one of those players that we're going to look back at when he's in the NFL and be like, how did not many people know about this guy in college? Because he is a tremendous talent. He can do it all, and that's a really big loss for Penn State. But with Cameron Rising, I've always said his best trait is, is, is him being able to throw on the run. And while his rushing ability has kind of been hampered due to that injury that he had against USC, he's still been able to evacuate the pocket and make some really good throws on the run. I mean, you look at the throw that he made to Thomas Yasmin when he scored that touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game. That was on the run. You know, he, That's what he does best. He does best yep. at extending plays, keeping his eyes downfield, and hitting receivers in stride while he's on the run, while he's being chased down by a couple of defensive linemen. And I don't think that's what Sean Clifford has. He just simply isn't that mobile. And his pressure to sack rate isn't excruciatingly high. But when you look at the pressure to sack rates in, the, in, the, in college football, the second best quarterback is Cameron Rising. And he's only behind Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. And you look at those two players still, and I still think that Cameron Rising is a better play extender than Michael Penix Jr. Is Cameron Rising's best trait is his ability to throw on the run and his ability to create plays with his feet while also with his arm and sometimes mixing them both together and hitting his receivers downfield. And I think that's what sets him over the top compared to Sean Clifford. Clifford has some good things about him. He doesn't do anything super poorly, but he doesn't have like that one trait that you look at and be like, dang, this guy is really dang good at that one thing. And that's what makes his team so much better. You know, Penn State is a very talented roster. Yes. We already mentioned Parker Washington, who won't be playing. Mitchell Tinsley put up 1,200 yards, I believe, at Western Kentucky. I think it might have been 1,400 um, last season. And then they also have two very good running backs in Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, who are both freshmen and who have both really opened up this Penn State offense because heading into the year, I was concerned about the rushing attack. I covered Penn State, and I said, I don't think that their rushing attack is going to be very good because we don't know how good these true these two freshmen are. Turns out they're both really dang good, and that's what's really kept Penn State over the water um, in terms of – their offense, but Sean Clifford definitely does do some good things, but I significantly think that camera rising is better. Yeah, I mean, you look at Clifford, too. We talked about the sacks. It's another thing where if you do get pressure on him, just that ability to stay up. Cam Rising is so big because he can't shake those guys off him. He's tough between the tackles, the running thing. I think you broke it down perfectly there. And I think the other thing about Cam, too, is we already mentioned the top targets being out. I trust Cam without Dalton because, well, technically he didn't 
win the Oregon game, win the, excuse me, obviously lost the Oregon game. Technically, he didn't win the USC Pac-12 championship game without Dalton. Dalton made some plays, but that was not the Dalton game we'd seen all year. He was obviously very hurt, very hampered, and Cam did a great job spreading the wealth around, getting those other guys involved versus Parker Washington. You mentioned things like the Ohio State game, where that was basically, it wasn't a great throw by Sean Clifford. It's Parker Washington making those game-changing plays like that. So I think that is going to be an interesting adjustment to him, too. And you mentioned Mitchell and some of the things he's been able to do for them this season, but I really do feel like I trust Cam more without his top guy than I do Sean Clifford too, because of all the things you illustrate, his ability to run the toughness inside the pocket and the ability to get outside of it to extend some of those plays. And I trust his playmakers on the outside to do some things too. These are Utah receivers who are coming off some of their best games of the season in the Pac-12 championship game. And now they've just been sitting, waiting, foaming at the mouth for another opportunity to get back on the field. And I can't imagine how fired up all these guys are getting ready to go. And I think the last thing I'll talk about with Cam, I think Sean Clifford's a very good leader. When Kyle Winningham is calling Cam Rising one of the best leaders he's ever had on his team, one of his teams, and he's has over 20 years of coaching experience, obviously. I think I give Cam the edge in that department, too. And just another reason I feel confident saying I'd like Cam on my side in this one if I'm either side. Yeah, and another thing to, another thing to hit, while Clark Phillips is out, I absolutely love Zamaya Vaughn's matchup with Mitch Tinsley. Like, I think this is going to be the game where we look back at and be like, this is when we knew that Utah secondary was in good hands going into 2023 because I love Zamaya Vaughn. Everything about him is so great. You know, you know, he works hard. You know, he was a walk on quarterback, turned cornerback, six foot four. Kyle Whittingham said he's one of the fastest players on the team and his ball skills have gained, or I mean, just gotten better tremendously as the season's progressed. You know, I think that he is the cornerback one for this Utah team. And I think next year yep. he's going to be an all Pac-12 first team corner. I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to display that against a good receiver, Mitch Tinsley, and a very good offense in Penn State. So I think that's another thing to look at. While also, though, Penn State secondary is incredibly good, and we'll get to that later, but their secondary is undoubtedly, in my opinion, a top three secondary in the nation. It's going to be a real emphasis for Utah to avoid those third and long situations because this team does not allow any chunk plays. This is going to be a game where the quarterbacks are going to have to be very accurate, very decisive, because neither of these defenses are going to give an inch. Mm -hmm. It definitely feels that way, and it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And we're going to break down more of the general matchups in this game in a second when we come back. But first, we got to tell you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Make sure you guys go over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. There are tons of great candidates out on LinkedIn ready to work. You can easily view their resumes and see their work experience, get in touch with their references, all available at LinkedIn Jobs. They have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one, delivering quality hires versus leaving competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions may apply so dante looking at some of the matchups in this game let's start with you already talked about how good this penn state secondary is even without joey porter jr that's the one thing i think that is kind of interesting about this game is you do feel good about both i feel good about utah's secondary too so you still feel good about both secondaries without their top corner and for utah you know they still finished ranked at the top of the pac-12 in total defense in large part because of their secondary all season long we one of the things we've talked about all year is that hey even though when utah was getting gashed for lots of yards in some of these games the guys are holding up for their allotted two to you know those three to four seconds you're supposed to in coverage but then when you get to five six seven it's like what are you going to do after that because utah couldn't get home in earlier in the season that obviously changed now so but first looking at it from that penn state secondary versus this utah passing attack like you said i think you got to give a slight edge to penn state because of the talent they have there and utah being without dalton kincaid 
Devon Vele's status still kind of up in the air still. I think we're, we still expect him to go out there, but what level of health is he going to be at? I think you got to give them the slight advantage, but I do think this is going to be a back and forth battle. I think that Utah is going to make some plays on this secondary. I don't think it's going to be a 60 yard bomb or something like that, but I think they are going to methodically move the ball and convert a few of those third downs. But just in general, I'm expecting a very different Rose Bowl from last year. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I see it getting into the thirties, but by no means are we setting offensive records in this one, because I feel good about both sides defenses and when it comes to Utah's passing attack versus this Penn State secondary and give the slight edge to that secondary yeah most definitely I mean even without Joey Porter Jr. is like a huge loss like I'm not going to sugarcoat it like that is a huge loss because you look at the game log you know he was targeted 14 times in Penn State's first game he had eight pass breakups in a single game and you look at it you go oh why did he only have one more for the rest of the season well it's because he was only targeted more than two times in a game once and in that game he only allowed one reception this guy literally shut down an entire half of the field for opposing offenses. So without him, the field's definitely going to be a little bit more open, but they still have some very good players. All their cornerbacks are allowing um, uh, completion percentages under 50%. Neither of their safeties have allowed a play over 30 yards on the year. So they limit chunk plays. They allow very little separation. They're extremely athletic. Kalen King is a great corner. Johnny Dixon's a great corner. And then Jair Brown is an absolute beast at the safety position. He lines up all over the field. A uh, very high football IQ player, always putting himself in the right position to make plays. So this, in my opinion even without Joey Porter Jr., is by far the best secondary Utah's faced this season. And honestly, I can't think of a better secondary Utah's faced since joining the Pac-12. There might have been one from the earlier days, but I really think this Penn State secondary is as elite as it gets, and Utah's really going to have to be on their A game. Wide receivers are going to have to not drop the ball. Cam's going to have to be really decisive, really accurate on those shorter throws because you cannot afford bad drops and getting into third and long situations because that is where this Penn State defense thrives at their best. High praised, but it's well earned for this Penn State secondary. So then we're looking at the Utah rushing attack has started to come on stronger later in the year with the emergence of Jaquindon Jackson. I feel like the offensive line has done a better job coming together and gelling a little bit too. I don't think it's a dominant rushing unit, I will say. You can't just run it on everyone. And look, this is a Penn State team that gives up just over 100 yards on the ground per game. But with Utah's offensive line playing better, I feel like this is another one that's going to be back in course back and forth, but I look at a guy like Abdul Carter and what he's able to do in the front seven. He's an absolute force, too. This is another one as crazy as it sounds. I know it's locked on Utes, but I feel like Penn State has the advantage in the front seven battle then look at versus Utah's rushing attack as well, Dante. I'm going to have to disagree with you here. Okay. I really do think that this is the best we've seen Utah's rushing attack, and it's crazy because Jaquinn Jackson, the former third string quarterback, is leading the rushing attack, and this is the most confident that we have been about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that goes to show you how good the offensive line has been. I know they've had some minor uh, mishaps here and there, but, I mean, they've really gelled at the right time, and they've held their own having to block for a plethora of running backs, not knowing who's going to be the lead back each and every week. Now we know who it is. Now we know Jaquinn Jackson is at the forefront of this Utah rushing attack, and you still have Makai Bernard who can make a make a good play here and there, and you also have Jalen Glover if he's going to get any go, which is uncertain because we don't really know what his status is week to week with him being a, being a freshman, but he's had some great moments this year. And then you look at Penn State and their defensive line, their defensive tackles especially. It's P.J. Mustafer and Hakeem Beeman. Hakeem Beeman is like 260 pounds. He's a ridiculous athlete. That's why he plays defensive tackle because he's so quick and fast um, and he's able to beat opposing guards and tackles but pj mustafer is really big but he hasn't really been statistically there i think their defensive tackles are their weakest link on their front seven i think utah's centers and center and guards will be able to push them around a fair amount and create some holes up the middle sideline to sideline however 
Not so much because this Penn State linebacking corps is ridiculously deep. Their defensive ends are all very athletic. I think it's going to be really tough for Utah to get any yards on the outside. But when Utah just goes straight to ground and pound up the middle, I think that we will find a good amount of success. I think in the first half, both teams will kind of have their moments. Utah will have a good run. Penn State will have a nice stop. But as the game progresses, I mean, we've seen Utah be able to just wither down opponents. And I think it's going to be no exception here because Penn State's defensive tackle duo is very, or I mean, their room is just not very deep. It's only two guys. So I think as the game progresses, they're going to get more and more tired. And then you even look at their linebacking corps. Their two best linebackers, Kobe King and Abdul Carter. Abdul Carter's a fantastic player, by the way. He's going to be an All-American next season. He was honestly robbed of an All-American selection this yeah. year. He's an absolute stud. But they're they're still freshmen. You know, they're yeah. still freshmen. And this is a Utah team that emphasizes creating fatigue within their opponents. And I think that's going to, that's going to be what happens here. I have Utah's rushing attack having an advantage over Penn State's front seven. But I'm not going to ride Penn State's front seven off. You know, they've had a very good year. But I do think that... Utah will be able to wither them down and just create some punishing runs as the game progresses and and win that matchup. I and mean, I think that's going to be one of Utah's biggest keys because as I keep on mentioning, you don't want to get to third and long because that secondary yep. is lethal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a great breakdown. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how it works out too, especially because I think a lot of times this Utah defensive um, offensive line, when they get the push, they're able to get that initial push, but it's been that second level. Can they come off and take those linebackers? Because look, this is a zone blocking team. They're going to go up the middle a lot. Those are how the runs are going to work. So are they able to break those runs off into larger chunks or are they just going to be able to limit those to three yard runs because, hey, they got that initial push, but they couldn't come off to get the linebackers. It's going to be very fun to see how that shakes out. So that's how it shakes out for the offense of the Utes and the defense of the Nittany Lions. So let's flip it over now. Let's look at Penn State's passing attack led by Sean Clifford going against a Utah defense that doesn't have Clark Phillips. And look, this is obviously hurts when you don't have Clark Phillips, a consensus All-American, an absolute beast out there too. We've already been singing the praises of Samaya Vaughn, though. We know they're down Parker Washington. I love what Cole Bishop's done all season. I love what RJ Hubert's done all season. I think JT Braun's made a lot of nice plays. And Sione Vaki in the Pac-12 championship game, man, was he electric and has just come on late overall in the season. So I feel safe saying here, too, I feel like the Utes have the advantage when you're talking about their secondary versus the Nittany Lions passing attack. Yeah, and you look at Utah's defense and you go, okay, where to go right? Because all of a sudden, midway through the year, Things just started clicking, and it's the addition or, well, the emergence of Sione Vaki, like you mentioned, and Simote Peppa, who has really just yes. come on in his own and just been in his own element. Nobody's been able to stop him. You know, he's a more than plus pass rusher. His run defense is fantastic due to his overall just size and length. And, I mean, you look at his athleticism, it's like maybe he's not the most athletic, but his long strides, he's just very fluid in what he does, and his motions are just, just really a pleasure to watch. He's really surgical in his approach, and he has just been an absolute stud for this Utah defense. Um, I think Utah's secondary has an advantage over Penn State's um, uh, weapons in terms of the passing attack because without Parker Washington, it's going to be more of an emphasis on Mitch Tinsley, who I think is very good, but I think Zemaya Vaughn is in for a tremendous performance. And then you look at Brendan Strange, their tight end, who is kind of a lot like Dalton Kincaid. I mean, obviously the stats and the numbers are nowhere near, but you just break down the player on his own, and he's very slippery after the catch, very similar to Kincaid. A lot of their moves in the open field are very similar, so he's definitely not a guy to um, to overlook. Uh, very athletic, very solid tight end, and has made a lot of big plays for Penn State down the stretch. So they do have some good players. They could have their moments, but when you look at the Utah secondary, the only times they've really looked weak is when the pass rush has to go seven, eight seconds and it's just busted yep. coverages eventually against mm-hmm. quarterbacks such as Caleb Williams who extend the play better than anyone else in the nation. There's a reason yes. why he won the Heisman Trophy. Sean Clifford doesn't have that. Simply put, he just doesn't have that. And Penn State doesn't have the weapons that USC does. Utah secondary is going to be able to hold their own and some. I don't think there's going to be many chunk plays for either team, especially not for Penn State. Um, so I think Utah secondary definitely has an advantage over Penn State's passing attack. But in the terms of the rushing attack, 
as good as Utah's linebackers have been down the stretch, I think they're still very inexperienced. You know, we've seen Moki yep. Apate struggle at times. He's been a lot more a lot more explosive as a pass rusher off the edge than he has been as like a middle linebacker. Karene Reed's very good as well, but I think these two Penn State running backs are just so good. Nicholas Singleton and Katrin Allen are both extremely, extremely solid. I mean, they've combined for like 1,700 yards in the year. They both split carries. Um, they've made their offensive line look a lot better than they actually are, in my opinion. And I think when Penn State gets to that second level, they'll be able to break off some big runs because I really do think that these running backs are a little bit better than Utah's linebackers are. So when they hit the second level, they'll be able to go. But I do think that Utah's defensive line will be able to hold their own against this Penn State offensive line. They'll be able to create some stops. But I do give Penn State a slight advantage in the rushing department, but no advantage whatsoever in the passing attack. I think this would be a really even matchup, honestly. Like, we see Utah's the whole game. Score it's been the entire yeah. game. That's what the exactly. is. Like, everyone's like, they got a slight advantage, but like, yeah. they still make some plays. That's been exactly. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And you look at it too. It's funny because Penn State's missing their best, their best wide receiver. Utah's missing their best pass catcher. And both teams are missing their best corner as well. So it's like a super Crazy. even matchup. I think it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and I, what I was going to say was Utah put up 45 points in the Rose Bowl last year. My score prediction, I don't think these two teams are combining for 45 points. I think it's going to be a Ooh, really low-scoring okay. game, come down to the final minutes, probably a field goal or something. Just who can make that big play within the last five minutes to put their team over the top, get them into field goal range, whatever it is, just simply win the game. Who is going to be the gamer? Who's going to be the guy to make that memorable Rose Bowl play that's going to be shown in highlight reels for years to come? And I think it's going to be Utah. Personally, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and talk all this talk all this just to not pick Utah, but I think Utah wins this game like 20 to 17, something really low-scoring like that down the street stretch it makes a big play late and somehow just finds a gritty way to win a game mm -hmm. yeah it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out and you mentioned the the front seven of utah's defense versus the penn state rushing attack another great matchup too i think the reason i'm gonna give a slight advantage to utah and this one is something you alluded to and that is the emergence of samote peppa i think between him junior tufuna and licky vaimahi i think they are playing really good football especially in terms of run defense right now and i think they're going to do a good job plugging those holes i think with diabati coming on stronger lander barton has gotten better each game it seems like and karene reed i think they'll make a few plays in this one but man when i say that it's close to this one too i feel like like I'm giving Utah the 51% and I'm getting Penn State's at a 49 because as you mentioned, those running backs are so talented. So they're going to break off runs. And I probably would give Penn State a true advantage in this one if it wasn't for the injury of their outstanding left tackle, Olu Fashano. I apologize if I mispronounced his name, but he was a guy who felt like he was on his way to be in the top 15 pick in the NFL draft. He announces he wants to come back to school for another season. He's a huge loss for this Penn State team. It's still a good offensive line. And that's why, you know, going back to the passing attack thing, I think they will still hold up in protection. But look, Morgan Scally put on a clinic in terms of designing and drawing up blitzes in the Pac-12 championship game, I think he's going to do a similar thing because just when Utah only rushes four, they struggle to get home at time during the seasons. Now, the emergence of guys like Peppa really helped that out. Diabate rushing a lot more. I want to see if it's third and long, we better see Diabate rushing. I'm going to say that right now. I mean, talk about it a little bit this week, but man, I'm a huge fan of his. And I think when he can really get after it, leads his Utah team in sacks with seven. And I think if you look at the amount of his sacks in terms of how many times he's actually rushed the passer, I think it just kind of is one of those eye-popping numbers. Like, why wasn't this guy doing this early? on but either way Utah's in this position in a large part because of the contributions those guys have made so yeah I'll give the Utes a slight advantage in the rush in containing Penn State's rushing attack but look every single one of these matchups has been extremely close extremely even it's what makes this game so much fun to talk about and break down and speaking of breaking down games we're going to come back in and talk about our best big game bets it's been a while but when you get the college football playoff and a couple other big bowl games that are back you got to talk about these ones so we're going to come back in with Dante and talk about those in a moment but first we have got to tell you guys about the sponsor of our best big game bets segment in bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis all season long 
and get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball to even NBA and college basketball, NHL too. They've got it all available at Bet Online. They even have sports podcasts. So basically anything you need related to sports, you can find it at Bet Online. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. So Dante, jumping into these exciting bowl action. We're recording this one earlier in the week. So by this point, all the Notre Dame, South Carolina would have played. Tennessee, Clemson would have played. So let's start it out with Alabama taking on Kansas State in this one. Bryce Young going to play. Will Anderson going to play. Something that I think is really cool to see these guys want to finish out their careers in college. Full respect to anyone who does opt out, but I'm just a fan of when you see great players in college, I want to see them as many opportunities as I can. So I'm excited to watch Alabama go at it with Kansas, Kansas State in this top 10 matchup. So Alabama is favored by six and a half in this one. And honestly, I'm going to take the Tide to win outright. I think this is going to be a dominant performance by Bryce Young. I think he is going to cement his status as the top pick in the NFL draft. I think the Houston Texans will be turning his name card in eventually because of a performance he's going to have against his Kansas State defense, Dante. Yeah, so this is definitely an interesting one. Um, going into this one, like when the first when the game first got announced, I was like, oh, maybe Kansas State is just more excited to be here. That was definitely not true. I mean, we see Will Anderson and Bryce Young both opting into play. So, you know, Bama is going to bring it. You know, they're going to bring it. You know, Kansas State is going to bring it. It's going to be a great game. But I think Alabama wins this game mainly because I think their defense is just going to put the clamps on um, Kansas State. Kansas State ran through Big 12 play because of how fast they are. Adrian Martinez is a fantastic rushing quarterback, even though he was injured uh, down the stretch. But, I mean, you look at Deuce Vaughn, probably the, one of the fastest players in college football. Malik Knowles, their best wide receiver, electric player as well. I mean, they are, they are speed. That is their whole team. But the thing about Alabama is they have the athletes to match that. And the only positions where they're really not that fast is the safety position, which is where we saw them get absolutely thrashed against Tennessee. The thing is, Kansas State's not going to stretch the field like that vertically. They're going to get a lot of short, quick passes, get their guys in open space and run the football. Alabama's linebackers are both very athletic. Jalen Moody, Henry Teotio. I'm not sure if one of them are opting out. I mean, they probably could if they wanted to. They're both great prospects. But if they're both playing, I really don't see Kansas State's rushing attack having their way like they have against teams in the past. Whereas I think Kansas State on defense will be able to get some stops. Their secondary is very good. Julius Brents is one of the more underrated cornerbacks in college football. And we've seen Alabama's wide receiving corps not look like Alabama receiving corps. So I do think it's going to be a low-scoring close game. But I think Alabama does have the upper hand in the end. I'll say... 24 to 17, something like that. Real low scoring. I think neither of these teams are going to have their way on offense. I think it's going to be a defensive slugfest that comes down to who makes a play at the end. Very similar to the Rose Bowl. I mean, we all know what Bryce Young can do, um, extending plays with his legs outside of the pocket. He's just a tremendous talent. So I'm going to go with the, the Crimson Tide for sure. Moving on, then we have our first college football playoff game. It's TCU taking on Michigan. TCU had such an outstanding season, just kind of ended with a dud when they suffered that tough loss in the Big 12 championship game. But still, Max Duggan, what Coach Dykes has been able to do with this team all season long has been awesome. And then, of course, Coach Harbaugh in Michigan, 13-0, destroyed honestly they destroyed Ohio State even. They, of course, destroyed Purdue to get to this position. Michigan is favored by seven and a half. I'll say this. I think TCU covers, but I do think the Wolverines find a way to get a win. And I think it's because of that offensive line is their first offensive line to ever win the Jim Moorhead award two years in a row. And I think they're just going to be able to impose their will in this one. And that'll be the difference as they end up getting a monumental win. JJ McCarthy will be good in this one, but I think the biggest difference is going to be look at last year, Georgia beat them because Georgia just pushed them around and out physical them. I think it's going to be the complete opposite this year where you're going to see Michigan just completely out physicaling TCU. Yeah, I'm all over Michigan here. I think you look at the trends for TCU, the whole hype thing is over. All the momentum is over. They've had a month off. They're coming off a loss. 
a lot of the reason why I think they won a lot of the games they did was because they were just so hot, right in that momentum. Well, now that's gone. That's killed with the month-long break. Uh, Michigan, very similar, but I think Michigan is just such a substantially better team. You look at the matchup with TCU's best receiver, which is Quinton Johnston, probably a first-round draft pick. He moves very well. He's like six foot five, just a tremendous athlete, really good at adjusting to the ball. He's made Max Duggan look extremely good this season, and rightfully so. And a lot of what he does opens up chances for the other guys because teams are just going to solely game plan around him, and rightfully so because he's very good. But then you look at the way Michigan's corners match up. DJ Turner's one of the most physical corners in college football probably a top 10 corner in the nation he's been locked down pretty much all year and i think he has the slam advantage over quentin johnston then you look at mike sanders still the converted uh, wide receiver turn slot corner i think he's going to be really good at limiting those big plays from those tcu slot receivers that have been so explosive this year and then you look at the offensive line in michigan and there's just nothing to dislike tcu's front seven simply just cannot hang they play a lot of three-man fronts michigan is going to run all over that even without blake Quorum. you know we've seen donovan edwards explode over the later half of the year. And then you look at their center, um, Oluwatimi, the transfer from Air Force and Virginia. I mean, there were a lot of talk about him possibly being in the Heisman conversation, and rightfully so, because he was by far the best offensive lineman in college football. I think he's going to have a big game. I think Donovan Edwards has a big game, and J.J. McCarthy is going to do enough as a passer um, against a against a pretty average TCU secondary, despite them having the Jim Thorpe winner, Travis Hodges-Tomlinson. But I do think Michigan wins this game pretty easily. I'm going to say Michigan 38-TCU 21. I like it. We see that one a similar way. And now we get to Ohio State taking on Georgia. The Buckeyes, of course, finding themselves in this position because of what Utah did beating USC in the Pac-12 championship game. And for Ohio State, it's an opportunity for them to get a win against, look, Georgia is starting to build. This feels like it's going to be the next dynasty of college football. The program Kirby Smart has established there. They were 13-0 and on the season. You know, against some inferior opponents, it was kind of like, why do they look that way? But then whenever they play someone like even remotely who's supposed to be in their class, they absolutely obliterate them. So with all that in mind, it should tell you that Georgia is absolutely going to steamroll Ohio State. But I'll say this. Maybe it's because I got the Rose Bowl in the background back there. And I, I just think back to last year and watching that game and that performance that C.J. Stroud had. I mean, that is a special player just balling out in a special moment. And maybe it's that. And look, I know court, look, quarterback's the most important position on the field. It's not everything. Georgia's better pretty much everywhere else, probably outside of obviously receiver with Ohio State. And we saw what C.J. Stroud does did with an elite receiver last year in the Rose Bowl with what he and Jackson Smith and Jigba did. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. has just been a revelation this season on the outside. Been absolutely dominant. I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. I actually think Ohio State will definitely cover the six and a half point spread in this one. And look, maybe I used to, it's because I used to live in Ohio and I had great memories of watching the first time Ohio State won the national championship. But I'm going to say it. I think CJ Stroud carries the Buckeyes to a dub. He cements his status as the second overall pick in the NFL draft. And I think Ohio State finds a way to get a shocking upset. They did this the last time they squeezed into the playoff. They got the huge upset against Alabama. And I think they find a way to do it again. I think Ryan Day hears all the noise about how people want him fired just because he's lost to Michigan two years in a row, even though he's made a national championship. So I just think that stuff's always absolutely ridiculous. I think that, that the combination of Day, Stroud, and Marvin Harrison Jr. carry Ohio State to an improbable last-second win, and they get it done. I love that. I actually love that prediction so much. And the spread might say six and a half, but honestly, I think this is very close. Like it should, in my opinion, in my opinion, it should probably be even because both these teams are just so good. And I think for Ohio State's offense. In order to succeed against Georgia, you have to have a quarterback who can fit the ball into tight windows because they're very similar to Penn State in the back end. They do not give an inch. They will not give you an inch of separation. Your quarterback is going to have to be delivering dimes left and right. And then also, 
the balls cannot be tipped because if a, if a ball is tipped against this Georgia secondary, it's going to be intercepted and probably taken to the house because they are so athletically gifted. They do, they literally do not give a single inch, and they are just so explosive. Um, but so is Ohio State. So Ohio State's receiving corpse is obviously very good. They got Marvin Harrison Jr. there. We saw what C.J. Stroud did against Utah last year, and a lot of those throws, he was fitting in a tight window. So I think if there's a quarterback that can make this Georgia defense look somewhat lackluster, it's C.J. Stroud, it's Marvin Harrison, it's this Ohio State offense. So I think that they'll be able to find their way more than other teams have in the past. Um, therefore, they'll be scoring points more than anyone else ever has. But then you look at the defense for Ohio State, they're very disruptive. You know, they got some good defensive ends. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg is a good linebacker. J.T. Tuimalau had that incredible game against Penn State who where he had, I think, two touchdowns and like three sacks or something like that. So they have a bunch of game wreckers on their front seven who I think can fluster um, Stetson Bennett more than these other teams have. I think if there's a team that can make havoc in the backfield, it's Ohio State. So I think Ohio State does have a real path to victory here. But then you just look at the players for Georgia and it's like, how realistic is it that they'll be able to consistently win against them? And it's just not the case. You know, a lot of things are going to have to turn in Ohio State's way because yep. Georgia is so sound fundamentally. They're so sound on offense. They didn't turn the ball over. They're very methodical in their approach and they'll chew the clock. They'll be able to keep CJ Stroud off the field, I think, as much as they possibly want to. I think they'll be able to run the ball really well and open up that play action, which they've used uh, to their advantage so many times this season with Ladd McConkey with Brock Bowers, they have a surplus of weapons as well. So I think it's going to be a really close game. I think both teams are going to have their way because both teams do have a path to the victory here. But I'll say Georgia wins this game very close, though. Very close football game. I'll say 35-31, Georgia wins. I like but I do like Ohio State to cover like you do. And I want yeah. them to win. I want the Buckeyes to win this game. I think it would be super cool. I think it's a lot of fun. I love having parity, too. I think it's a lot of fun. And people are like, oh, Ohio State's won all these games before. Yeah, but it's been a while since they've won a national championship, at least. I mean, yeah. Georgia just won it last year. So I don't think it's bad if Ohio State wins it. be awesome, too, of course, if TCU or Michigan could find a way to get it done. That's what makes the college football playoffs so much fun. The college football so weird, too, how we just think about the last time we saw these teams. It's been almost almost a month, pretty much, since that's been the case. It's just it's the only sport that's like it. But it's going to be electric when they all meet up and match up on the field. Got two more to pick here. In this one, and where the first one we're going to talk about is Tulane taking on USC. Trojans got a bad taste in their mouth, of course. Tulane fired up to be have an opportunity in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic against USC. And look, maybe maybe Lincoln Riley's team will be deflated. For, I want to say this quick: I don't buy at all the Broncos Lincoln Riley rumors. That seems totally out of left field, like just crazy stuff. I just can't. You don't look. You don't leave after your first year like that. I would be absolutely flabbergasted if that was the case. I think the Trojans find a way to win this one, and I think they do in convincing fashion. I think you see the only the two-point spread like that. I think they do win by 10 points in this one. I understand people are concerned about this USC team showing up, but I think they still want to punctuate the first year of Lincoln Riley's USC tender with a success. And I think a Pac-12 championship loss to a Utah team already leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I don't think this is, is going to be a double whammy where it's like we don't care about our bowl game because I think Lincoln Riley and this team want to end it well, their final final game of the season. And I think they're going to do it, Dante. So I think they cover that two-point spread. Yeah, I agree with you here. I think it's going to be pretty close, though. You know, we've seen Tulane go to bat, go up to bat against a very good Kansas State team. They won in Kansas State. So, I mean, this team is definitely no pushover. But then you just look at USC and it's like, they got Caleb Williams on their side, and that's the number one player in the nation. You know, he's going to be able to extend plays, and USC is just so much athletically better than Tulane. I think early in the game, Tulane could make a splash, maybe go up like 14-0 or something like that, get a big turnover and turn into some points. But then as the game progresses, Caleb Williams is just going to take over. I see USC winning this game, but it's going to be pretty close. You know, both these teams, I think, want to be here. Tulane, especially because they're a group of five, doesn't happen too often, especially for a program like that. But then with USC, they do want to cap off that good first year with Lincoln Riley, like you said. And the Denver Broncos rumors – as much as I I don't believe they're true, the whole Cliff Kingsbury situation that they had there a couple of years ago, it kind of lingers true. in the back of my head. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe there is um, something there. 
but probably not, likely not. Um, I do think USC wins this game. I'll say 38-35. Okay, so then it takes us to the granddaddy of them all. It takes us to the Rose Bowl. Looking at the line in this one, we've been talking about it, breaking it down all show long. Utah is favored by two and a half. I'm not going to give a score prediction. Look. You guys see the background. You see the name of this show. Of course, I'm taking the Utes to this one. Utes, I think, come in ready, motivated, hungry off of last year's defeat. It's why so many players came back, and this game was for an opportunity in the Rose Bowl, and I think they have a great one presenting themselves against Penn State. And I think the difference in this one is I think Sean Clifford makes one, maybe even two costly turnovers. Well, I think Cam has one of his best games of the season again. I think he's really accurate with the ball. I think he helps Utah move the ball down the field. I, I think it'll be a little higher scoring than what you had, Dante. But I do think overall we are in for an absolute thrilling contest in this one. And I think in the end you could very well see Penn State pull it out, but I think Utes find a way to win a tight one, and I do think the Utes will cover that three and a half, though. I'll say that. I think it's a tight one, but it's a t- I mean, a tight one can be by seven points, and then Penn State's driving one touchdown in the game and ends up shaking out that way. So that's where it's going to be fun and interesting to shake out. I'll give a score prediction very soon, but for right now, I'm just going to stick with Utah covers. Yeah, so with this Rose Bowl game, I mean, it's going to come down to the last few minutes. I've been saying it all show, and I really do believe that because both these defenses are very sound. And it's going to be who runs the ball better and which quarterback can make that game-winning play, which team can be better on third down. Things like that are going to be what sways uh, the pendulum in this matchup. I think that Utah's going to be able to run the ball better as the game progresses. I think Penn State is likely to have more explosive runs. But in terms of the whole body of work, I think Utah's uh, running backs, especially Jaquinta Jackson, is going to have a bunch of punishing runs down the stretch to chew the clock off, uh, give Utah a late touchdown drive, things of that sort. So I think Utah's the advantage of running the football. I think on third down, I think you have a more accurate quarterback in Cameron Rising who's going to be able to convert those third and four, third and five situations a lot better than Sean Clifford will. I think Utah's the advantage there. And then... Like I said, it's going to be down to the final final few minutes because both these defenses are going to be very good. The second and third quarters, I think, are going to be pretty low scoring. It's going to come down to the end, which team can make that game-winning drive. And I do think that Utah has a slim advantage in the running attack and on third down. And I think that's going to be what takes the Utah over the top. Give me Utah to win 20-17. to 17. It's going to be a really good game, a really close game, a really sound defensive battle. And can't wait. It's the Rose Bowl. You know, can't get much better than this. Going to be electric and a lot of fun to see how it all plays out. He's Dante Guardi at Dante Guardi on Twitter. Make sure you guys head over, give him a follow from Ute Zone. Also, thank you guys for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms. And you know what else is available on all platforms? Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories in sports, the take of the day, the biggest game recaps, all available on Locked On Sports Today. So make sure you guys subscribe and head over there. You can get it on YouTube, audio, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for Dante for joining the show. We hope you all are having a safe travels down to the Rose Bowl, and we'll have another episode tomorrow breaking it all down on Locked on Utes.